tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning, Buenos Dias. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Morning, Sandy. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm great. What's going on? It's crack a lacking. Mm. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on this morning? Well, uh, we got some interesting news um, in terms of the region. 
So Jamaica's going back into curfews and lockdowns and that really? sort of thing. Yes. Wow. It is crazy. Yes. Because um, of COVID, obviously. Yeah. It started yesterday. Like they were not kidding when they said uh, we're going to go into lockdown immediately. Do you know how many cases um, and what's going on? Is it just like hospitals or? Uh, they've had a resurgence in cases um, over the last couple of weeks. I'm just trying to see what we're looking at here. I don't have the exact figures. I'd have to look them up. But yeah, they've had a resurgence because of the Delta, of course, mm -hmm. um, variant, which has got everybody in pins and needles. Yeah. Um, so essentially, they're doing curfews from like 8 o'clock at night. Wow. See, we yeah. don't have that. And that's that's an island that parties all night long. So, you know, the, the, um, the U.S. is headed towards lockdown again. I mean, they've, yeah, they've mandated or suggested rather that masks be been. be worn indoors yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the we CDC's definitely fighting um, over not wearing masks. It's like, give and me there's a people break. that should be wearing masks. Honestly, have you seen their faces? <laughs> Aaron, be nice. <laughs> so, congrats to Bermuda. They're the smallest country to ever win an Olympic gold. So yeah, that I gives us that. hope. That Are you serious? Cool. Yeah. Yes. First time I since like nineteen, one. like nineteen fifty or nineteen seventies or something. Or in um, she won it for the triathlon. Um, so wow. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I well, think so too. We had and she's 33 years old. It's not like she's hmm. a 20 or 19 year old because you know you expect them to kind of come out blazing. Yeah. yeah. So, Does she yeah. Does she wear shorts and uh, flip flops and socks <laughs> on the, the opening? <laughs> she ran the whole thing no, barefoot. In the, yeah. No. Well, yes. So we congratulations. Just, uh, we, were, we were congratulating uh, Jillian Crooks this mm -hmm. morning. We shared it on our Facebook. She got second yes. in her seat at the 100 freestyle. Absolutely. So we're going to have that up on the website shortly as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so I think we're doing well. You know, we're a small country, so. You know, slowly but surely, you know, more people can I, get to the Olympics and one day we could have maybe a couple golds. Well, I think I think that the K-Man team is going to do well in the Winter Olympics because I don't know if you've heard this or not. And this no. is breaking on CMR right now. <laughs> no. Aaron... Aaron, it's not April the 1st. What are you yeah. talking about? Aaron is going yeah. to be uh, on the representing curling. Yes, I'm, I'm learning to curl. She's just going to oh do the goodness. curling event. and That's where you like sweep the... Yes. And, and, and I, I'm going to be doing the luge. <laughs> He's practicing on Mount Trashmore. Some of the more unusual uh, events for sure well, in the Olympics. Because we're yeah. hoping that we can pick those those ones that are easier to win medals at. Yeah, I mean, I've seen like really yeah. unfit people in <laughs> curling. So I'm like, that, that'll that be me. Did you guys see? I, I, I didn't know that skeet shooting was part of the yeah, Olympics. Of course. I saw course. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I was watching a bunch of rednecks out there. Yeah. And none of them are all like, you know, uh, perfect specimens of a human. That, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> some My, uh, of, the, yeah, some the of them are, are. Yeah, haven't we set um, <laughs> Well, so maybe it wasn't the Olympics, but I feel like we've sent we've sent some shooters to some major world event before as well. Well, yeah, there's usually um, like sharp shooting um, competitions all over. Yeah. My, yeah, my uncle is actually uh, really like he was number one in the nation at one point in the U.S. Like kind of crazy for like sharp shooting. I'm like, that's not me. I cannot hit anything. Well, Eddie, Eddie McLean's a sharpshooter. Yeah, fast, fast Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching someone and she was like holding her hip and just like going like that. I'm like, well, this guy looked like he had just finished a a case of beer uh, (laughs) and had the shotgun out there. So we'll just, but you still got to be able to. He's like, pretty good. Know. Yeah, you got to be. Listen, it still shoot. takes skills there. It you know, a lot of skills to do that. I, I think like, that's why I'm going with shooting. curling. Curling is not. Yeah. No, listen, I've uh, you know I've been out there with the gun club before, and it's it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> I'm telling you. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eddie Eddie used to give me some real good tips on. Uh, I mean, it's everything. It's like, you know. Um, positioning of the of the gun it's your stance it's um timing it's yeah. just amazing it takes a lot more skill i think than people recognize for breathing sure. as well yeah yeah and also yeah. don't let it kick back into your face yeah <laughs> yeah he's a buddy yeah that's that's kind of important <laughs> yeah anything else going Very on important. um well we kind of had an interesting story uh that we posted late last night um you know we cover quite a few court things and there's sort of unusual things that come up in court all the time, and this one really stood out. So, Dante Ramon claims that he was kidnapped after he was found with his ankle ankle bracelet cut off because you know you can't cut your bra- ankle bracelet off. Okay. So he said that some guys kidnapped him, <laughs> and uh, they were questioning him. They took him in a van. Like it sounded like something out of a, straight out of a movie. So they were questioning him over um, the Vix Bar murder. So he picked the most sensational thing that someone could kidnap you over. Yeah. And um, said that, yeah, that they kidnapped him and were questioning him about that. So I thought that that was a bit interesting. Did he not report that they had kidnapped him after being released or? Well, why was was he? That's where the story gets interesting, because obviously his attorney is just relaying what he Uh told her to the judge. And she she said he said. So now it's like Uh the real moral that um, he had reported it to the police, but there was no evidence presented to the judge. I'm just going to make a point, though. If mm-hmm. I were a kidnapper and mm-hmm. I kidnapped somebody that had an ankle... You would bracelet, definitely cut it off, right? I would cut it off. Well, it's I mean, got, obviously got GPS on it. Yeah. But, they're going to be able to find the guy but if easily. You, if you were the ankle monitor owner, wouldn't you go after being released directly to the cops? So that's where... Yeah. You know, because you don't want to get in trouble for, for that. Well, you know, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, and the timing of it is kind of stupid too, because they cut it off before they released him. Wouldn't they cut it off before they took you? Because yes. now the police know exactly where they took you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Not everybody's exactly. a smart criminal. I'm just saying, if I were the kidnapper, you'd be a smart criminal. I would be a smart criminal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would probably smash it. What did they find? But maybe you're smart did they, enough did to they not find the uh, the bracelet? Um, I don't think so. I mean, they didn't really say. But listen, when he said they that, did. she, you know what? The best response. I mean, I kind of chuckled in court. Like sometimes I have a moment, right? And the best response from the judge was like, "Well, in that case, the safest place for you to be is in prison." Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, wow. well, if you're after Touché. you, then yes, yeah." <laughs> The judge is like, watch this. Yeah. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make yes, simple. that is definitely yeah. the safest place for him. <laughs> oh wow! So uh, it didn't quite help. Um, you know, yeah. Not the story. <laughs> Crazy. No. All right. Uh, well, well you got to give him points for trying. Mm-hmm. That's know? for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So well, there you have it. Check out CMR right now with Sandy Hill kicking off, and we'll see you tomorrow. For All right, guys. Fancy full story. Have a good one. <laughs> see you later. You- so that was uh, a bit of a classic, folks. Um, yeah. Good morning, Miss Morna, Irvlin, Marshall, Purple Rain, 
Uh, anybody believe that story? I mean, when you hear that, do you go, yeah, that sounds believable. Good morning, Ms. Rosemary. Elizabeth is here. Larry joining us from New York. Chanel, thank you so much, Chanel. Colin, good morning, good morning. Miss Alice and Perla, Olivia. Uh, Gracian is here. Carol um, says vaccinations, workplaces that are struggling like BVI, Jamaica, USA, Australia have low vaccination rates. Cases and hospitalizations falling in the UK. Oh, I have something about that. Boris Yeltsin is actually saying this morning, don't read too much into that. Um, you know, so yeah. Uh, Miss Judy, Emma, Gladys, um, Purple Rain says report it so he can get shot. Um, I don't, I don't know that this is a believable story. I mean, certainly if you were kidnapped, um, there's going to be more details forthcoming. So we'll see how that goes. I don't think even the attorney who was sharing the story believed the story. Let's just be really honest here. I think she was kind of like, mm, no. Um, but we'll see. We shall see. Uh, so, yep, super, super interesting. Like I said, there is a lot um, going on this morning. Big shout out to our YouTube viewers. Um, let's take a moment. Like I said, there's there really is a lot happening. The CDC has new recommendations. And um, Boris uh, Johnson in the UK is um, making a few new comments about the following cases there. And what he says, he's like, pump the brakes. Don't get like super excited yet. Um, because we know, we know the flow, the ebb and flow of this whole uh, situation called COVID. And it's like every new variant that comes out is, is crazy. So um, let's just have a look at um, a quick little video in reference to um, what's happening in the UK, because I think it is interesting. Uh, lots of people are saying, well, six days of falling numbers, isn't that great news? We need to celebrate. But <laughs> one thing COVID has told us is that, boy, life is unpredictable. Do not celebrate early. Because uh, you, normally you're celebrating in vain because right around the corner, here comes another <sighs> increase in numbers, another lockdown, another, you know, Alba, Buenos Dias, Desi, good morning, Miss Bonnie is here. Any power back in East End yet? They had a power outage. All right, let's watch this quick video, just a few minutes, and then we're going to get into talking about a few things that are happening here and, of course, around the world. Today is Caribbean Connection Wednesday. So we'll touch bases with some of our regional partners around nine o'clock this morning as well. It was four weeks when football lifted the spirits of the nation, but our joyful participation in the Euros is being posited as one of the reasons England might have seen such a surge in COVID cases in July. With the Euros over and schools shut, Cases have now fallen for the sixth consecutive day, which would give us something else to celebrate. There were 24,950 new COVID cases recorded today, down 14% from Sunday's figure of 29,173, and 37% lower than the figure for last Monday, 
That's down from a peak of 50,000 shortly before most legal restrictions were lifted last Monday. Although scientists caution that the effect of Freedom Day won't be reflected in the figures yet. It takes a while for infections to occur and for people to get tested. So I think everybody recognizes that. Perhaps it means that the effects of uh, earlier relaxations have reduced, or perhaps it's telling us that the effects of the Euros and people getting together in their homes to watch the games, uh, that effect might have diminished. But the effects of the reopening on the 19th of July, no, they're not feeding through into the system as yet, and they're very likely will be an effect in the coming weeks. What hasn't been coming down is the number of people being pinged and asked to self-isolate. This food distribution company already have workplace testing, and their staff should qualify for the government's exemption from isolating, but they've yet to be told how it will work. I think the government have, have handled this, this part of the virus poorly. Um, we're just in the dark. We're still in the dark. They're speaking and saying they're going to do something, but they're not actually acting quick enough and doing it. We've waited a whole week now for something to happen, and we've still not got it. It might not be working well yet, but today the government announced it's expanding the scheme to over 1,200 other workplaces. So some prison and defence staff, refuse collectors, vets, telecoms, energy and drug companies will join the list that includes staff in all these sectors who don't have to isolate if they're tested daily. The government insists that despite falling cases, there's still no need to simplify the whole system and just bring forward the 16th of August date when everyone who's double jabbed will be spared isolation. It's a really important day because uh, for two reasons. Uh, firstly, more people will have been vaccinated by then, so we'll have more of the community protection. But also, um, we will have um, had that fire break since the end of the school term, so there'll have been less of that mixing in schools and less community transmission. <laughs> When England lifted its restrictions while cases were rising, much of the rest of the world looked on with concern. The latest data will have given the government hope, but it's too early yet to say that their gamble has paid off. All right, folks, gamble. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what it is these days. Um, and it's, you know, we're, we're going to be there in, in due course where we're going to be gambling as well. There are absolutely no guarantees, folks, and how any of this will play out. Um, even if we get to 80%, which I, I am uh, don't think that we will, I think we're going to get to about 75%. And then the government is going to have to make a judgment call and say, you know what? We're at 75%, close enough. <laughs> Let's just go for it and uh, reopen, start with that reopen plan. Um, let's be quite frank here. 80% is a very, um, optimistic number, but despite that, we still have the highest number in the region. I think, are we still in the number one place for a number of vaccinated people in the region? So we've done well, not as well as this government wants, but, uh, again, I think that, you know, you just have to go with what you got folks. And we're going to have to go at 72, 73, 74, 75%. Uh, basically, whatever it takes um, to get the borders back open. And, and they're going to have to open. I keep hearing people saying, do we have to open? And I'm like, what world do you live in that Cayman can survive on one of the two pillars of our economy? Just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, 
I don't I don't know what to tell y'all except it's the cold hard truth is is coming your way as it relates to reopening. Somebody was saying to me yesterday that they're concerned about the what's the next one that's out the lambda or whatever. I'm like, "Oh god. Are you serious? Another variant?" <laughs> it's just crazy. So they're going through the entire alphabet soon they'll be down to Z and then I guess they need to make up an alphabet to cover what COVID is doing. This thing is like nothing that we've ever seen. And uh, that is certainly one of the more interesting things um, to say about this the situation. So we shall stay the course, um, remain somewhat optimistic. Let me just see if I can get the Instagram folks in on the feed. So a couple things, of course, we're covering Olympic news this morning. We're keeping an eye on how our Olympians are doing. So big shout out to this young lady, Miss Jillian. Let me just see if I've got her photo here. We can show her um, and how well she has done. So we've got some numbers. Uh, give me one second here. Uh, beautiful job. Well done. Mm. Getting all sorts of regional news. Hopefully we'll have a few of our regional partners joining us here shortly. So um, again, 15 years old. Wow. Uh, this is phenomenal, without a doubt. She has uh, performed extremely well in her heats, uh, putting Cayman on the map for her performance. So give me one second here and I'm going to pull this up so you guys can see. The good news. Here we go. Look at that. Look at that beautiful Cayman Islands flag. Do you not love to just see the flag being displayed? So again, we've got 15-year-old Olympic swimmer Jillian Crooks. She placed second in her heat, uh, which was heat two. Uh, personal best time of 57.32 in the 100-meter freestyle. And um, she's also set a new CI, ASA, and national LC records in the 100 freestyle. Um, she's not going to advance to the semifinals, but um, nonetheless, this is still an amazing accomplishment for a 15-year-old. I mean, especially a 15-year-old. Um, so well done, young lady. I see, obviously, only bright things in your future. So, um, yeah, this is this is amazing. I love it. Love the good, positive news, folks. Love reporting on it. I'm sure this has been quite the experience of her life. Did anyone here actually get to see it? Um, I know quite a few people were messaging me saying, Sandy, where can I watch it? I know it was on Sportsmax and um, some other available options. Let me just see here. There she is. Team came in. Wonderful job, young lady. Congratulations. Uh, well done. Well done. Uh, let me see what's going on with Instagram this morning. So I'm still in pain today, folks. The shoulder is like, ugh. Truly starting to get on my nerves, <laughs> but uh, I remain optimistic that I can get some relief. I'm supposed to go to acupuncture today. I'm doing some physio, so I am hopeful that um, physio can give me some degree of relief because, man, it's it feels like it's getting worse um, and not any better, if that makes any sense. But the last couple of days, I've really been feeling it, so we'll see how how things progress. 
So good morning, James joining us from Canada. Buenos dias to Daisy. Colin says, what's the tea today? We got lots of tea brewing for you. Um, Leroy, good morning. Jess, thank you. She says, truth is stranger than fiction. So she's thinking maybe the kidnap story is real. Hmm. I mean, I didn't really know what to make of it. I mean, I sat there in court and of course, um, you know, one of the things that I do, I'm just an observer. I don't participate in any way, but, um, I did think it was kind of interesting because the bits and pieces, he, he doesn't get to directly speak to the judge, right? So you know how this goes when you have a lawyer, you speak through your lawyer to the judge. And so the lawyer was conveying, um, a story that she had been told and, of course, you know, I observe a lot of different things, including body language. And I don't know that anybody in that courtroom actually believed his story. Let's just be honest. I don't think anybody did. There are a couple of major holes in it in terms of... Um, uh, Yeah, so um, mm, there's always something popping off, Jim. So yes, um, you know it's it is a fanciful story for anybody to get kidnapped and came in. I mean, not unbelievable entirely. Like you can't rule out anything. But um, for guys to actually get a van, the, these guys are more likely to kidnap you in just a regular car. They're not going to go get a white van and come and show up at your house and kidnap you. So those sorts of details were a little bit unusual. Um, and then, like I said, the kidnappers are not going to cut off your ankle bracelet after they've kidnapped you. Like it makes sense to um, do it before they take you out of your house sort of thing. Uh, then you cut off the bracelet and then you take him wherever and then you interrogate him. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the story. <laughs> it's just like, but you know, the judge said, regardless, um, she wasn't going to, uh, he said that it, the matter had been reported to the police. There was no independent verification of that. But she said, you know what, at the end of the day, the safest place for you to be is prison. Like if this story was meant to get you out of prison, um, that certainly didn't work. So Jadante, good luck, um, young man. He's actually facing burglary charges. And that why, that's why he's actually wearing an ankle bracelet. Uh, it's not the first time this young man has been in trouble. He was actually um, in some serious trouble before as it relates to um, some sort of a armed robbery situation. Yeah, of a, a mini mart or something when he was only 18 years old. Now he's 21. Man, if I had a message to this young man, it's, dude, you're on a fast track of... Um, you know, just living a lifetime in jail. Who who esteems to that? Surely that can't be what you want for your life. 
um, or worse, because he's talking about people already kidnapping him, asking him about an involvement or his involvement in a very serious situation. If that is the case, let me tell you, um, you probably got more problems than Quaker has oats. And so what I would suggest is um, you try to get it together in a quick hurry because this isn't, this isn't where you'd want your life to end up with kidnappings. And if they kidnapped you this time and they let you go, um, I don't know what's going to happen the next time, young man. But as a, as a judge said, your safest place right now is probably in jail. And I do think that sometimes um, even people that they suspect are involved in these things, um, I believe that sometimes they legit arrest them. Um, yes, they, th they think obviously they have some involvement, whatever, but they also understand the necessity to just get people off the streets. So you arrest them for the safety of the community, but you also are doing them a favor because the quicker you get them off the streets, probably the less likely their own lives um, are in jeopardy. So thank you, Perla, um, about my shoulder. I mean, it's literally like one little area that I can feel, but it impacts this entire side, which starts to impact everything else. I did the MRI yesterday. Big shout out to the MRI company. I think they're called R3 at the HSA. They always do a great job. I've had to do, I had to do one, was that earlier this year on my knee? And then I've had a scan before for my neck and brain area. And it's never comfortable going into that MRI machine. Like, it's just super weird. And I'm not entirely claustrophobic. But even though I'm not entirely claustrophobic, there are certain things that do make me feel a little bit claustrophobic. And being in that sort of confined space um, really makes you feel like, oh, my God, I'm in a, in a casket or something here. But the staff are great super friendly and they get you in and out as quickly as possible. This particular scan didn't take very long. <coughs> Sorry. I'm um, about maybe 15 minutes or so. So I didn't have to be in there terribly long, which was good. But for me, I find the best thing to do is just close your eyes. Don't even think about where you're at. Just close your eyes and daydream about being somewhere else. Um, big shout out to Danny. Lady Celicia, Tanya is watching us on Instagram, Luke Rivers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So yeah, I did the MRI and results. I'll keep you guys updated. Um, you know, we're just trying to make sure that it's nothing else. The doctor thinks it's just inflammation and that's what I've been being treated for, but just to rule out anything else. Good morning, Ms. Wanda. Uh, Brita's here, Sonia Carson. Um, Ms. Morna is here. Um, Brita says, you know, Miss Annie was always worried that someone would kidnap me for her money. Oh, Lord. Who's Miss Annie, by the way? That's your mom. Um, kidnappings are not normally a thing in Cayman, thank God, because there are other places in the region where that's like, that's their thing. Trinidad. I think Trinidad is the kidnapping capital of the Caribbean, like this particular area. Like they loved to kidnap people. And uh, sometimes kidnappers don't have any sense. Like they kidnap people who people don't have no money for. 
So very bizarre. Uh, Marshall says, I, for one, ain't buying that story. First off, he had on an ankle bracelet and it's not for fashion. So that would tell you what we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, and it is a little bit, I mean, I, I don't think criminals are necessarily um, uh, smart. Um, but, you know, I suppose at the end of the day, It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you go kidnap someone that has an ankle bracelet on? That that would be the first question. I'd be like, mm, this is like a case of dumb and dumber. Like, you know, criminals would have to be really dumb to target and kidnap someone with an ankle bracelet. Huh, I don't know. Uh, Leslie joining us from the UK. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining in. Miss Sue is here. Uh, is that Thirsty? Is that how you pronounce your name? Miles, thank you for joining us. Um, Ms. Sue says, well done, you're brave as they have to put me out. Put you out for an MRI? Girl, no, sir. No, listen, I was saying to someone yesterday that um, when it comes to medical procedures, you have to be so careful because even just a routine medical procedure comes with risk. We heard of an elderly lady passing away yesterday morning after having a procedure at a local hospital. And she apparently had this the CT scan, which they use the dye. And there are a lot of people I understand who actually have an allergic reaction to that dye. So you have to be very, very careful when you're using that. And unfortunately she passed away. Um, I can't say as a result of the procedure cause I can't say what caused her to die exactly, right? But it was during this procedure that apparently she ran into complications. And I was saying to someone yesterday that there's so many things that can impact the body. The body on the one hand is very resilient because we survive all sorts of stuff. But on the other hand, it is also very, very fragile. Now, I think you know that when you have children, right? Because um, you get an idea, like when children fall, you're like, oh my God, you could have just hit your, your head and killed yourself. And children do not appreciate the dangers and the things that they do. Like the other day, my daughter fell off the bed and she flipped like backwards. And I'm thinking as an adult, you know how easy that would have been for her to just fall on her neck and that was it. You know, we're looking through years of experience and kids are just like, they jump back up. She cried for a little bit because it did hurt. And uh, then she's fine. I'm like, there's a reason why I keep telling you, you no know, jumping on the bed and no playing in the bed. There's like, you got to start listening to mommy. You could have been hurt. And you know, their logic is you can't explain to a four-year-old. This is what could happen because their logic is, oh, but I'm fine. Oh, but you could not have been fine. It's just like a losing battle. So people are very, very resilient. But then I think also the body, you know, sometimes just reacts a certain way to what we think are normal procedures um, so our condolences to that family, obviously, um, she was in her eighties. I understand, um, seventies or eight, late seventies or eighties came in in family. Um, and it's always tragic to lose someone so unexpectedly. Very, very sad. So, uh, you know, what, what can you do? You just need to be cautious, but I, for one, I'm not, 
I'm not a fan of being put under for anything unless it's like I have no other choice. Like obviously if you're going to take out an appendix or you're going to do major surgery, you can't do that with um, output without putting someone under, you know, you can't be like, Oh, I'm just going to numb that little area and cut, cut and take open your appendix. That's not quite how it works. So CT scan. No, I just close my eyes and literally just pretend let my mind wander. They, they didn't offer me any music yesterday, but I did have on the headsets because obviously the machine is, is very loud. And then they had to put like a little brace in my shoulder. So um, I actually started to snooze. Child, five minutes of my eyes closed. I was already like, <sighs> yeah, it's a little mini, mini power nap. Um, Miss Morna says, I don't know about the story, but he's lucky to be alive. Uh, Leslie says, fam, who going to kidnap him? Not see how he big. I don't know. Birthday wishes from Rotan, from Gladys, to Kim and Brack, to her grandson, uh, Derek Martin. Good day, Miss Gladys, and happy birthday to, De is it Derek? Yes. Um, yeah, that situation is very sad, Colin. Uh, Britta says, I get MRIs and CT scans all the time with contrast. It feels like um, hot going through my body. Ooh. I've never had a CT scan. I've had dye um, in a specific area, but never a CT scan. So, whew. yeah, I don't, I'm hoping I never need one. Hopefully. I don't know. Miss um, Juanita says, Sandy, hope you feel better soon. I don't like doing it either. Didn't they put music on for you? I'm afraid to, oh my God, my condolences to the family of the lady who died yesterday. Yeah, a very sad situation for sure. Um, we had two deaths this week that were really sad. One gentleman, I understand, he worked for MRCU and apparently he fell. And this is what I'm telling you, like life is so weird and the body is so weird, but apparently he fell um, at some hotel in East End while on staycation. <sighs> and um, it was just crazy. And then he passed away, um, you know, this week. Uh, Colin, young Colin, he's only 16 years old, wants to know what is a CT scan? So basically, Colin, a CT scan is an X-ray image that they use um, and how they get it is they actually put this dye again, I'm not a doctor, but what they do is they actually put this dye in your, does it actually go into your, uh, where's, where's my doctor friends here? Does it actually go into your veins? Hold on. So it's a medical imaging technology or technique using radiology to get images of the body non-invasively, they say for diagnostic purposes. Um, CT scans use a rotating x-ray tube and a row of detectors placed in the gantry to measure x-ray attenuations, blah, blah, blah. But um, are there different types of CT scans? Because this particular one. Um, so it says that sometimes it's used with patients with metallic implants or pacemakers where an MRI is not possible. Mm. Hmm. So they can do different types of CT scan, but I'm guessing, uh, do they, can they do a CT scan without the dye? 
Let's see. With contrast, I bet you that's what the dye is. Yes, that makes sense. All right, yes, here we go. This is the exact procedure that she would have had more or less. A special dye called contrast material is needed for some CT scans to help highlight the areas of your body being scanned. The contrast material blocks x-rays and appears white on images, which can help emphasize blood vessels, intestines, and other structures. Um, contrast material might be given to you by mouth. Um, how else is it given? By injection. So they'll inject it into a vein in your arm to help your gallbladder, urinary tract, liver, or blood vessels stand out on images. Um, you may experience a feeling of warmth during the injection or metallic taste in your mouth. And they might do it by an enema. Ooh, honey, yeah, let's not go through that route. Um, a contrast material may be inserted in your rectum to help visualize your intestines. This procedure can make you feel bloated and un uncomfortable. Uh, I'm sure that is an understatement, but anyway. Um, yes. So they claim that CT scans are painless and with your machines take only a few minutes. But, you know, the, the total procedure, I think, by the time they get the dye in you is about 30 minutes. And, um, yeah, you know, there can be complications, like I said, from anything. Sometimes it's just stressing the body out and you go into a cardiac situation. Um, there have been people who've been put, put under for very, very simple things, dental procedures, and they just never came back out. Like they weren't able to bring them back out successfully, which is kind of crazy, right? Um, JD says cameras caught a scrawny, dark skinned dude with light, dude with shoulder length blonde hair in my backyard at 3 a.m. a few minutes ago, a few months ago, shouted and he bolted. You sure he big? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, Based on his photo, anyway, I don't know this young man. Based on his photo and what I saw in court, he's a really scrawny guy. He's not big at all. Um, so, oh, you're thinking that might be him, JD? I called the police and see um, if he was wearing an ankle bracelet at the time. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Britta. She says the CT scans go down exactly like an MRI. The machines look the same. El Ray says, yep, they use your brain. Welcome is Gladys. Um, yes, thank you. El Ray. El Ray is a little medical expert sometimes, you know. So he said it can be done with or without contrast. Uh, so sad situation. But yeah, gentleman fell. Um, speaking of falling, you know, there have been people who have died from what looks like a simple fall. I'm telling you, the body is just so peculiar. Like you can't. Nothing is simple when it comes to the human body. It's a very complex uh, machinery. And, um, you know, a, what looks like a simple fall and fracture turns out to be something that can kill you. So listen, we just got to be careful. Um, uh, Bridget says she's a CT and MRI pro. Uh, she gets three to four a year. Wow. <clears throat> mm -mm. Whoa. Uh, Britta has had an hour-long CT scan before. What? What were they scanning for? First without contrast and then with, and she got an IV for hers. <clears throat> Contrast.
Colin needs a full lesson today. So he's like, Colin says, so what's acupuncture and why are you puncturing your shoulder? <laughs> Woo. Colin, let me, let me explain to you a little bit about what acupuncture is. Now, there are different types of acupuncture, by the way. And um, I was first introduced to acupuncture because I have had bouts of severe pain, what I consider chronic sort of injuries throughout my entire life. So um, back in the day, I had um, a lot of back and lower back pain. So if you didn't know this, this is probably like TMI, definitely TMI, but anyway, we're here sharing our lives on CMR, so I'm going to tell you this. Um, back in the day, I actually had uh, breast reduction surgery because I just had some big boobs. That's all I can tell you. And um, <laughs> the the problem with that, especially when you have a smaller frame, at the time I was I was like, you know, over the years you put on weight, but I was much smaller. All of this excess weight does not help things like um, your back, you know. And so I suffered from chronic um, back pain, and so sometimes I would have to do all sorts of stuff to try to alleviate the pain. And um. One of the things I discovered, this was back in, I can't remember what year this was, but I think it was around 2009. I'll tell you why that year sticks out. I used to host another show called Straight Talk. And uh, oh, you see me kind of, sometimes you'll see me involuntarily twitch. Like, I don't know that I'm twitching, but other people are like, why are you twitching? And it's because of this, this issue with my shoulder. But anyway, um, yeah, so... I had a bout of, I think I was like working out or something. It kind of exasperated this pain, but I had a tailbone injury. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with where your tailbone is, but it's like all, it's at the base of, it's like where the, the back, like the um, spinal column kind of meets your behind. And it is a very unusual place to have pain, but sitting down with a tailbone injury is like really painful. So I would stand up a lot uh, because it was just more comfortable to stand. So I um, was doing a show. This is kind of why 2009 stands out as when it was roughly. I was doing this talk show and I'll never forget Charles Whitaker. I don't know if Charles is listening this morning. We did a fundraiser for him just impromptu on the show where we raised like $10,000 of pledges, pledge money for um, a fight that he was doing at the time. So I was standing up in the studio. I was supposed to go to Miami the following day because I was completing my master's degree and I was going to go stay with my girlfriend, Melanie. Big shout out to Melanie. Melanie and her little dog that she had at the time, Molly, such a sweet dog. And so I was going to stay with the two of them and, you know, do some work for my doctorate to get that, I mean, my master's to get that wrapped up and whatever. And so the day that I did the show, it was an evening show for Charles. It ended up being like a three, three and a half hour show. Like it was a really long show. Went into overtime, did the show. Then the following morning, I had to jump on a flight to Miami. So I got to Miami and I was in so much pain. I was taking pain meds. I have a TENS machine. Colin, you probably don't even know what that is, but that's for pain management. And to this day, I have my original TENS machine, which is like super old. I need to upgrade now. But I just, you know, whatever helps with the pain. And I would rather do like a TENS machine 
acupuncture, massage, everything else but popping a pill because I know the dangers of pill popping. So um, I went to Miami and I was doing the usual, Aleve, Tylenol, whatever. Like I felt like I was taking too many pills, in fact, trying to take all this stuff to get some pain relief. Nothing was working. I ended up having to go to the emergency room and they're like, oh, all we can do is give you prescription grade painkillers, which you know, that's like the good stuff, but it's addictive, um, codeine in it and all this kind of craziness, you know, um, heroin, but medical grade. And I thought this is just ridiculous. And it wasn't really helping. Like I was in that much pain. So anyway, out of desperation, I'm driving down 183rd, I think, North Miami, uh, gets you quickly to Aventura area. And I see the sign that says acupuncture, pain management, weight loss. They claim they do everything. That's good for everything. I'm like, well, I've never tried acupuncture in my life and I don't know what it's good for, but I'm so desperate. I'm going to try it. So I go in and there's this um, white guy in there. I'm thinking, shouldn't the acupuncturist be like, you know, we have our stereotypes in our head. I'm like, shouldn't he be some little Asian guy? I walk in and he's like, welcome to the acupuncture center. And I'm like, yes, I'm here. Nope. Just so, you know, then he starts telling me about himself. Apparently he was trained though in um, like China or somewhere in the, um, in the East, <laughs> you know? So I'm thinking, all right, whatever. What am I going to do? Lose $75? That's what in my head I was legit thinking. It was $75 to get it done, $75 US. And I thought, you know, whatever, I lose $75. It can't be any worse than pill popping or whatever else I have going on. So I decided just to go, go for it. So he um, starts telling me all sorts of stuff. He's reading my body energy and you know, I'm not buying any of this, right? I'm just like as skeptical as I want to be. I'm just like, dude, just, you know, he tells me how acupuncture works and he starts reading my energy and he's like, you know, your body's under a lot of stress. You need to start taking it easy. And, um, you know, you're, you're a giver, but you're giving too much. Like all this stuff he's telling me. And I'm like, I don't even know how this dude knows anything about me. Like he, but he was pretty accurate and he just went on and on and on. I'm just like, hmm. so he said, you know, normally acupuncture doesn't work in one sitting. It's multiple. And I, and I hear, here I am thinking, mm-hmm. The dude really trying to get his little gravelicious hands on my money. Here we go. The first needle isn't even in yet. And you're telling me I'm going to need more than one treatment. This is all the stuff that my little brain is processing. But anyway, I'm here for it. So he starts, um, I tell him what the problem is. And he said, okay. But he starts putting needles in areas that have nothing to do with where the problem is. I'm thinking, um, shouldn't you put a needle right where I'm having pain? And he's like, no, that's not exactly how acupuncture works. And I was like, all right, well, you're the expert. I'm just here long for the ride. And someday this will probably be a story. So he does this thing. And let me tell you how much pain I was in to put this in context, right? In the rental car, I couldn't lift my own leg. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you get in a car and you can't put your own leg in a car, but that's what I was dealing with. And it was super painful. So I literally had to take my hands, lift my hands, like lift my own leg with my hands and put it in the car. Cause I didn't even have the mobility cause I was in such excruciating pain to move my own legs in the car. That's how crazy it was. So I do the acupuncture segments about 45 minutes an hour. They always try to upgrade you with all these 
Chinese herbal pills and whatever. And I'm like, listen, don't give me any pills. I'm not a pill popper. I'm not going to take them. I'm just going to waste my money. So um, yeah, Britt, I'm getting to that part of the story, right? So um, no, not before he knew the problem. He was saying that it takes more than one treatment to get a resolution, to get pain and relief. And I'm like, mm-hmm. So anyway, I do it. And um, I said, listen, I don't live in Miami, so I don't know when I'll be back to get all these other treatments that you're talking about. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll just see how that goes. So I go, I leave him, I get in the car. I'm telling you no lie, within 15 minutes, I was 90% better. I was so shocked, jaw-dropping shocked at the relief from one acupuncture session. But this guy really knew what he was doing. And for years, every time I would go to Miami, I would go to him. He ended up closing down. I don't know where he went. Child, I was, I was all over the internet trying to find him. In fact, I think I still have his business card tucked away in my stash of business cards because I'm hoping one day I can find him. Like maybe he's going to reopen somewhere else in Miami because he is amazing. Even when I don't have any pain, but I would go to Miami I would just go see him just for a, a wellness acupuncture session just to check in with him. So funny enough, about two weeks after that, I was back in Miami and I'm like, I'm going back to this guy. I got to give him an update on how things went and I want more treatment. So I was willing to, I'm like, here, take my money, honey child, take it all. And so I went back to him and he said, oh, he said, that's interesting because most people really don't react that they don't see such a drastic improvement um, after first treatment, but apparently I'm one of those people that reacts really, really well normally to acupuncture. So um, it just depends, Breed, on where you have it done. Like I've even been to Orlando. There's an actual acupuncture center in Orlando where they train people to do acupuncture and whatever. And I've gone there and because they are trainees, they charged me back in the day, like 25, 30 bucks. Like it was nothing really. So, you know, a lot of people recognize the benefits of acupuncture. Most regular physicians don't believe in the, the yen and the yang and the whatever and, you know, all the meridians and, you know, they don't believe in that, but they do tell you that for a lot of people, acupuncture works. They can't exactly tell you why it works or how it works. They have theories, but for a lot of people it works. So it's becoming a bit more mainstream, especially when it comes to pain management. So there are people um, who, do what, who do what's called dry acupuncture, which they just go in a little course and they learn how to do that. That is different than traditional acupuncture. So there are different types of acupuncture as well, dry needling. And um, sometimes what they do is they'll put the needles in. So just to go back to Colin's question is um, they put needles in you, like little thin acupuncture needles. So they do puncture the skin with these needles. And they twist them to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To kind of, I guess, agitate the area a little bit because through that you can almost start the healing process. And then there's sometimes that they, they will actually attach a TENS machine, which sends electrical signals through the acupuncture needles that then goes into the areas that they're trying to treat. So there's quite a few people on island, Miss Jean says she has to do that most days in terms of lifting her legs. Wow, that's that's a different level of pain right there. Um, but yeah, there are different people here who do acupuncture. There's Annie at Cayman Physio. I've been to her a number of times. I quite like her. 
There's Gavin, I think his name is at, um, what's the other center called? Uh, da Vinci Center. He's actually pretty good. But like I said, there are different types of um, styles of acupuncture. So if you're interested in getting it, make sure that you know who you're going to. Because someone who's just trained to do dry needling, and dry needling tends to go in, I think, a little bit deeper than traditional acupuncture. You've got to be very, very careful because there's a woman, I was saying this yesterday, because some of you were recommending, oh, go to this one, go to that one. And I was kind of like, um, I'm careful who I go to because I know that there is a woman who legit almost lost her life because of an acupuncture procedure on island. I don't know if you guys remember this, but we carried this. Acu. Here she, here she is. This was August of, no, the original story was uh, March the 12th of 2018. And this was Miss um, Debbie Pennington Ebanks had her lung collapsed, a potentially fatal medical emergency, and she required emergency surgery because someone who was treating her, who does chiropractic and acupuncture services, um, made a mistake with that needle. And as small as that needle is, it is enough to puncture someone's lungs, which is essentially what happened to her. Um, so she had, this is, this is what it, basically what she did, right? So she had acupuncture ther therapy at a local establishment that left her with a collapsed lung. And she, um, this is where the actual physician who did the acupuncture, this is where I have an issue with some of them. They actually told her to drive herself to the hospital. So the fact that they did not recognize that she was in such distress um, and relieving her to her own demise potentially was, was quite shocking. But um, eventually 911 was called and she was transported to the hospital uh, and she had to go into emergency surgery. Her lung had collapsed. So she credits Dr. Omar Felix and Dr. Shamari Blake for basically saving her life because they had to go in and do a procedure to, um, to help her stay alive because with a collapsed lung, that's not good. So they had to do a thoracotomy, thoracotom, what the heck? I guess that's thoracic, but thoracostomy tube. Um, which is the common thing that they have to do for any sort of, um, you know, lung collapses and that sort of thing. Mm -mm -mm. What a mess. Um, so they say that it, it is unusual for it to happen during an acupuncture procedure, but it can also rapidly become fatal. Um, so very, very crazy situation, but yeah, you know, you gotta be careful at the end of the day, um, who you're allowing to do such procedures because, um, for example, one of the things, this is why I got to get me some, some food at some point today. I think my physio appointment's at 12, but you have to eat before, especially dry needling. It's, it's highly recommended that you eat beforehand because um, acupuncture can cause, um, I don't know if it causes your, I don't know if it causes exactly your blood sugar to drop or what it does, but if you don't eat, if you go in and, and have it done on an empty stomach, 
um, you can actually like literally pass out. So they don't recommend that you do that. They recommend that you have some food in your system. So it kind of forces me to have breakfast. But um, yeah, check out acupuncture. It's still considered an alternative medicine. For me, I find that it works. Um, you know, even if it's just through stimulation of certain areas, uh, it, it works. And my guy back in Miami, going back to him, he was so incredibly proficient at what he did that, um, you know, you tell him you got a pain here on the side and he's treating something in your arm and your leg for that pain. And I'm just like, how is that connected? But the body, everything is connected. It's like your lymphatic system. If you don't know anything about your lymphatic system, read up on it because everything is connected one way or the other. So it's like, oh, I got neck pain. He's like, okay, I'm putting needles in your head. I'm like, huh? But he was good. I must say he was the best. Um, so, oh, Gav Gavin's no longer here. Really? Oh, darn. Thanks for that, Jonathan. I had no idea. I hadn't been to him in a minute, but wow. I didn't know that. Oh, Brita says she's had um, a lung collapse twice. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. Punctured her lung, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ray says, what were they using? A javelin? <laughs> no, honey child. It does not take much, apparently. You can go too deep. And um, people think, well, how does that happen? Like the lungs are way in, like you got to go through the skin. And listen, I don't know the medical logistics of it, but apparently that little needle, if it's positioned just in the wrong place, it doesn't take much to for something to go wrong. So they can pretty much do acupuncture all over the place, um, in your hand, your feet, your even your, your face and stuff. Because I was going to tell you, the second time I went back to him, I had for the first time ever, in my life, laryngitis. I couldn't even talk. And the dude was like, remember last time I told you, you got to start taking it easy. You're going at hundred miles per hour. You need to slow down. I was like, now I'm starting to listen to him a little bit more. Cause I'm like, okay, this dude actually knows what he's talking about. And he says, um, I said, well, you know, I had pneumonia. I took the, the antibiotics. I did the Western medicine thing, took the antibiotics, but you know, I still have, um, a lot of like I can feel the 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 inflammation or not inflammation. What's the word I'm looking for? Congestion on my chest. So he said, okay. He said, have you ever um, had something done called cupping? And I'm like, no, but I'm here for it. Whatever you tell me I need to do, I'm here for it. And these are all Chinese and Western medicine things, right? I never even heard of cupping before. And he kind of explained it in brief. Like basically they take these suction cups. He actually used the glass ones. Some people use plastic. They put different things in them. So he used like a menthol solution. They put it on like your back or your neck area and they twist it. So it locks onto your skin. And the idea then is that it actually pulls out like any toxins or whatever that you might have in your system. Here I am thinking, I don't care what you do, dude. Just do it because I know your acupuncture worked for me. Um, so I'm all for it. You know, sometimes they treat, um, they do acupuncture treatments in the air cause they say it's connected to different things in the body. I'm like, you're the expert, sir. I'm just here to get pain relief. So sure enough, I had my first, I don't think I've done cupping since then, but he did maybe once after that. But anyway, he did cupping for me. And, um, when I went back to poor Melanie, she's like, why are there bruises all your, over your back? Like you literally get these round, like where the cups were bruises. 
and he put in like maybe six on my back. But listen, folks, once again, as I left within 15 minutes, all the mucus that the antibiotics didn't help after having, um, you know, pneumonia or whatever the heck it was, and then uh, laryngitis, voice gone, his cupping made me bring it all up. Not a pleasant concept, but it worked. And so I'm a believer that, you know, we have to, um, I think acupuncture works. You just got to make sure that the person is well-trained and they know what they're doing. And I think more and more there's some um, traditional physicians who understand the nature of acupuncture. And that is why, especially when it comes to pain management, whether it's arthritis, headache, migraines, whatever, a lot of um, physiotherapists and physicians now recommend it because they're recognizing um, the importance of a combination of maybe Western medicine and Eastern medicine, you know, and it really can help people with a number of different things from insomnia, you know, sleeping issues. Um, they claim with weight loss, pregnancy, allergies, all sorts of stuff. Uh, they claim that acupuncture works for. I can only tell you that in relation to um, chronic pain, uh, it was very, very helpful for me. It was a lifesaver. And that was after I tried everything else, just out of desperation, I tried acupuncture and it worked. Miss Mary says, Sandy, I had acupuncture done years ago on Island and it helped me a lot. I didn't even feel the needles until the therapist went back to each needle and turned them in a circle. Um, I would go again if needed. Yeah. So a lot of times um, you don't necessarily feel them going in. If you feel it in an area, and this is my guy, he always would be like, oh, you felt that? And I said, oh, yeah. Then he knew that that was a specific area that he really needed to work on to get some relief. But what he would also do is he would almost like flick you when, a, when the needle went in so that what you felt was the flick of his finger and not actually the needle. And he kind of did that taking him out as well. So yeah, a lot of times you don't necessarily feel them going in, um, but you know they do come in and tweak them, I think, to just um, stimulate that specific needle. So yes, um, so it is what it is. Um, our alternative medicine says Louis is the way to go. I think that it's a combination of alternative medicine and regular medical medicine physicians have come a long way. And, you know, that's why even stuff like people are like, oh, you know, I'm not going to get COVID shot. I'm like, I'm like, listen, you do recognize that we've been using vaccines to help people for years. Um, and they have literally saved countless and millions of lives. And so this is no different in my mind than that situation. And I think you have to be open to the fact that medicine is an imperfect science, but nonetheless, it is a science and it is what we have. And we are incredibly fortunate to have um, such opportunities. You know, it's like, okay, the CDC now, as of yesterday, is recommending that some vaccinated people resume wearing masks indoors under certain circumstances. And this was a reversal of their previous um, guidance. This is what happens, folks, especially with something like COVID. Brand new, on the scene, we're like, what, 15, 18 months in. COVID-19, no one knew anything about it. 
And so it is a learning situation, like a real-time learning pandemic. We're learning, the professionals are learning, the virologists are learning, the physicians are learning. You know, they didn't know anything about long-haul COVID until a year in, people still are suffering from COVID. Um, so they're collecting data, they're collecting, you know, they're doing their research, they're coming to conclusions almost in a real-time scenario. And that's why the um, collating of information and data is so incredibly important. So if you have a perceived side effect, whether you can confirm it or not, after you've had a shot, yes, you go and you, you know, there are databases around the world um, that they're collecting all this information. Every single country should be doing so. And I don't know how Vigorous Cayman is doing it, but that's why they give you the hotline number for you to call should you have um, any issues. So it's not surprising to me that as the Delta variant, for example, has emerged, that they would say, right, let us uh, watch this variant, see how um, it goes, and then we will make adjustments accordingly, depending on uh, on what we find. So this particular variant is something else. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It's going to infect you more quickly. It's going to make you sicker, all those sorts of things. And they're recognizing that even if you are vaccinated, you do have a higher chance of catching this particular variant as opposed to the original COVID. So as we said yesterday or the day before, you put layers of protection. The cottage cheese example is a perfect example. So you continue to put layers of um, protection between you and this virus. So yes, you've been vaccinated, but that's not the only protection that you need. So if you go out in certain situations, you're in a friggin' mall with thousands of people, you go to a sporting event or whatever, right? So basically what they're saying is in schools, because you know, schools, a lot of people, a lot of kids, public indoor spaces, they're recommending that that is where you wear, wear your mask. Um, try to continue to social distance. So even in the US and places like New York and other places, a lot of restaurants are still not, although they're open, they're not at full capacity. So they might be operating at 60, 70% capacity. And if they have outdoor eating spaces, or a lot of them have created outdoor eating spaces. I mean, I saw, I was watching a video last night that was quite interesting about the haves and the have-nots in New York. And if you haven't watched that video, we did share it on our page. Um, go and have a look. Because it says the New, New York City's rich and poor, the inequality crises, and it's a DW documentary. Um, trust me, the contrast of life between the haves and the have-nots doesn't exist just in the Cayman Islands, but it is literally all over the world. And so I found this story very, very interesting to watch. But one of the things I saw in there was how um, the outdoor, like a lot of restaurants have confiscated sidewalk space, and they're actually using that for their outdoor seating area. And they actually have up the little plastic like barriers between tables. So like, you know, the tables, because they don't have much of a sidewalk, uh, might not be that far apart, but they put up these little, um, just like what we see in the grocery stores here now, the little plastic, um, what, what's the material actually called? It's, it's plastic, but we have another name for it. But anyway, the plastic barriers between tables so that if I'm sitting 
at a table of two, there's another table of two or three or whatever next to me, the chances of us sneezing at each other without that barrier is lessened. So any sort of barrier is going to help, right? So a mask is a barrier. Um, if you have to go out and high density public spaces, the CDC is now saying to Americans, listen, start wearing your mask. Jonathan from St. Martin, big shout out to you. Thank you for joining us. Purple Rain says Chinese and Eastern medicines. I think you meant, what did I say? Um, sometimes I say something totally different. Like my brain is thinking, thank you, plexiglass, Louis. My brain is thinking one thing, but the mouth actually says something else. So Chinese and Eastern medicine, yes. So I think it all has, you know, it's an intertwining of these things for sure. Um, Juanita says that she's had acupuncture done on her head, her right shoulder and her knees. And, um, but I eat afterwards because I was asked if I had eaten before. So I was told to eat, but someone with my lunch sometimes would be there. Or I just do a quick pickup lunch somewhere. Okay. Yeah. It's important to eat breakfast in the mornings. And I say this as a person who doesn't normally eat breakfast. But even if it's just an apple, something to kind of get the blood sugar leveled out and where you should be. And I do feel a difference um, oftentimes when I don't eat in terms of my energy level. So, um, you know, normally by like 12 or one o'clock, I'm literally starving. And my friends will tell you, I'll call me like, oh my God, we got to go get lunch right now. Cause I'm that angry person in the Snickers commercial. I'm just like, I need to eat. And had I had breakfast, you know, I wouldn't be quite in that predicament. Um, Britta says I've been isolated since March of 2020 and I'm going nuts and I'm angry. Uh, Britta, it's interesting that you say that because there's a whole thing now. It was actually, let me see if I can find this, but there was a whole article. I think it was in New York times. I can't say hundred percent, but, um, there was a whole article about this new pandemic of anger actually as a result of COVID. So there are a lot of people, my dear friend, who are feeling that sense of anger. Mental health issues are obviously up as a result of COVID as well. And you know what a lot of people are feeling angry about? I'm just trying to see if I can actually find this article. I thought I posted it on the website, but maybe not on, um, on our Facebook page. But a lot of people are feeling angry that they're getting vaccinated, they're doing all the right stuff, but they're saying that other people are not and that that's making them angry. It is crazy. Florida staff at hospitals are saying, um, here's what Baptist Medical in Jacksonville, Tammy Daniel, who's a chief nursing officer, said that patients are coming in saying to her, if I get the vaccine now, could I not go on the ventilator? So they're begging for it. And of course, by that time, it's too late. So um, you can't get a vaccine. Um, you know, once they're about to put you in a ventilator, it's a little bit too late by then. Thank you, Ms. Flora. Tracy's here. Uh, she's out of quarantine and back home in West Bay. Congratulations. I think the five-day quarantine is definitely more manageable. For sure. 
Um, so that's good. Congrats. And Tracy, as we know, was away um, doing some cancer treatment. So I'm glad that you're okay. Here's a couple. Somebody shared this on Facebook. Um, talking about, you know, some of their experiences. So here's one person that says, I just left the ER. This is an MD. I'm Sam Gali. We're officially back to getting crushed by COVID-19. The Delta variant is running rampant and it's much more transmissible than the original virus. 99% of our ICU patients did not receive a vaccine. So there's a whole um, thing in the medical world right now in the U.S. where they're doing a, um, um, this looks like, this looks like Instagram but they're doing, I just left the ER and then telling their personal stories. So unfortunately, Instagrammers, I'm sorry that you can't see this. I'll post it up later so you can have the benefit of seeing it. But YouTube and Facebook, you're seeing my screen. So these are all medical professionals. So here's one, Julia Song says, I just left the ER. We were officially back to getting crushed by COVID. So that's how it starts out. The Delta variant is running rampant. And again, 99% of the people who are being admitted to the ICU or people who are not getting vaccinated. So, Britta, I sympathize with you. There is no doubt um, a situation. And the line that is being drawn between people who are getting COVID vaccines and those who are not, unfortunately, is becoming more and more obvious. Yesterday, it was announced that President Joe Biden is actually thinking of making it mandatory for certain workers. Let me just see here, and I'm going to tell you what his recommendations are. So, um, you know, I know a couple of you were up in your arms about LT. Al Thompson's telling people that they have to get vaccinated. This is going to be the norm, folks. It's been the norm at other places, other times in history. But, um, you know, so right now we have a COVID positive traveler in our hospital, by the way, in case you missed it. I'm still waiting on the um, people here to get back to me because I did ask some questions. Haven't received responses yet from them. Sometimes you're a little bit slow in responding, but we actually even put that story up because I was waiting on them to respond to my question. And if they would do that, then that would certainly help. But we do know that a traveler who was admitted to the hospital this was on Monday evening. This was announced um, from a quarantine. He's been suffering from symptoms, he or she, I don't know, um, of COVID-19. They're stable and at this particular time do not need a ventilator. That was the last update that we received. Um, so at the FDA's urging, both Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna are going to start expanding their studies uh, to include children ages 5 to 11 to see if they have any sort of, you know, impact from. So, obviously, they're doing their trials in different stages. Um, so, that's interesting. The U.S. president mentioned that long COVID patients would be covered by federal disability laws, which is important because they've recognized that this long haul COVID is really a serious situation. So even if COVID doesn't kill you, it ends up making you a bit of a 
you're going to have lifelong issues. And I was just talking about chronic pain as someone who's, I wouldn't even say that my pain has been chronic because I know people in far worse situations. Um, but what I would say is I have these flare ups of chronic situations with my pain. And, um, you know, I know how that makes life um, sometimes very unbearable, but I still don't have a fraction of the pain that I know other people suffer with all the time. There's some people who have pain, not just in one shoulder, but all over their bodies. They suffer from, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so I remain ever thankful, but this, this ongoing requirement for people to get vaccinated, California is going to have new requirement will apply to roughly 246,000 public employees beginning in August at 9th. So this is uh, state employees and private healthcare workers in California have to be vaccinated or face at least weekly testing. And I think the suggestion from the president is somewhat in line with this. But Gavin um, Newsom, I think that's just, that's the governor of California, by the way, announced on Monday that California will have the strongest state vaccine verification system in the U.S. So I guess that's why they were added to our list recently. And will require state employees and healthcare workers to provide proof of vaccination or get tested regularly. He said, we're experiencing a pandemic of the unvaccinated and everyone that can get vaccinated should. So he put that on his Twitter page the other day. Um, and again, that announcement came just hours after Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City announcing a similar vaccine mandate for all municipal workers and that's going to take to take effect by the time schools open in mid-September. So he announced a vaccine requirement for public health care workers. And this is what they're doing to try to speed up the vaccination as the city is facing a third wave of coronavirus cases being driven by the Delta variant. And it's not just, folks, um, the Delta. It's not just a third wave. Some places are actually facing a fourth wave now. So this is going to apply in California to about 246,000 state employees and many more healthcare workers. And again, they're going to be doing this starting August the 2nd, this verification process. And, um, you know, the healthcare workers, that goes into effect by August the 9th and no later than the 23rd of August is what they're saying. So more than 64% of California residents have received at least one dosage of the vaccine. But they're saying now that the speed of inoculation, just like in Cayman, it has slowed down. So they're thinking of ways to get those numbers up there. Um, so at one point, they had cases averaging, averaging 6,300 an average per day, and that more than double the weekly, the daily average two weeks ago. So again, they're seeing this increase, right? And they're not the only ones. So we've got California, New York. There are others who are going to follow suit. And it looks like Biden's actually going to um, lead the, the mandate. 
The Department of Veterans Affairs will also require healthcare workers to be vaccinated, and they are the first federal agency to do so. So that's roughly 115,000 workers who are the most patient-facing, according to Dennis McDonough, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. So that's beginning Wednesday, which would be today. They have eight weeks to get fully vaccinated or face penalties, including possible removal. So again, I know y'all are up in arms, but oh, people might not get their bonuses. Well, people might not have a job is what they're saying in other places in the world. Veterans Affairs saying, get it or else. Um, there was another article I saw about vaccination should be mandatory for U.S. healthcare workers. A group of nearly 60 major medical organizations have said. This article is courtesy of the New York Times. So a group of nearly 60 major medical um, organizations, including the American Medical Association and the American Nurses Association called on Monday for mandatory vaccination for healthcare workers. So they are leading the charge saying, let's just get this done. The statement said that all healthcare and long-term care employees should require their workers to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, According to one person, uh, this is a doctor, I believe, this is a logical fulfillment of the ethical commitment of all healthcare workers to put patients as well as residents of long-term care facilities first and take all steps necessary to ensure their health and well-being. The document was signed by a wide array of professional associations, including those representing doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and infectious disease experts. It said that expectations could be made, uh, no, sorry, exceptions, my apologies, could be made for the small subset of employees who are unable to be vaccinated for medical reasons. And that number is very, very small. I I hear a lot of people here like, oh, I have a blood disorder. I have this, I have that, so I can't get vaccinated. And it's like, wouldn't you want to be the ones to actually get vaccinated? Because you're at high risk without a doubt. But people seem to think that if they find an excuse, it's kind of like jury duty. If you find an excuse not to get vaccinated, then somehow that's a good thing. That's actually not a good thing for you once once COVID really starts to hit you. You're going to wish that you didn't have an excuse. Um, And let me remind you that as it relates to this virus, the things that put you at risk, at higher risk, tend to be minor things. Being overweight, that's 99.9% of Cayman right there, Caribbean people. All that rice and stuff that we love to eat, potatoes and whatever else. Yes, honey child. That puts you at higher risk of complications from COVID. Um, so all I can tell you is think carefully about why you have the thoughts that you do and the assumptions that you do about the vaccine and try to do some, you know, I, I actually discourage people from doing research on their own because I think people start looking for all the wrong information and they just believe anything that comes their way. So do research, but make sure it's a reputable source folks. I love when people send me these fake news links or these um, epic, ep- epic times or whatever they call themselves. 
which dabble in so much fake news that I can't even keep up. I'm just like, what the hell? All right, let's talk about employment in the Cayman Islands and jobs that are being perceivably advertised overseas and uh, what that means for um, people here. So over the last couple of days, I have received um, a number of messages in relation to jobs that are advertised outside of this jurisdiction. Now, this is a problem because it's nothing new, first of all. And the issue really is people are saying, why are companies, especially during this pandemic, when we need as many jobs locally as possible, why are we seeing a trend where jobs are being advertised elsewhere? So there are a couple of things here that I wanna discuss in relation to this. So there was a job advert on the Department of Environment's Facebook page. Someone sent it to me and they said, they're looking for these two jobs. I noticed that they're advertised in pounds, sterling. And why would that be the case? Surely we have Caymanians that could fill these jobs. So, you know, why are they recruiting overseas? And I looked at it and I gotta tell you, at first I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. We don't need to recruit a biosecurity officer and a community engagement officer for the Cayman Islands Department of Environment. Like, what the heck is this? And it says part-time? Well, why would we be advertising this overseas anyway? Who, who advertises a part-time position overseas? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, I started doing a bit of digging and come to find out, as it relates to these particular jobs, at the Department of Environment, this is actually overseas individuals who have obtained a grant through a university in the UK um, that is allowing them to come here and essentially study the deep ocean floor, not the ocean bed, but you know, 50 meters and below up to 200 meters. Cause you know, we have that Cayman trench, which is super deep out there. And there's a lot of things going on there that we don't even know anything about. We don't know what sea creatures are really in it. We don't know much about the diversity of, um, you know, the species, the sharks, all these types of things. And this is really important when it comes to our environment. We are an Island folks and the health of our ocean um, is critical to our survival. So those of you who are overfishing and killing off all the little fish, you want to pay attention to this. So marine conservation and protecting the environment is extremely important. So um, we started looking into this and started investigating what this was all about. So once we discovered that it was actually not the Department of Environment that was hiring, but they're just advertising because they're considered a partner in this research project. So they're just advertising these posts that look like they're going to be here for a couple years. They've received funding for over 207,000 pounds. And they're again going to be looking at an assessment and conservation of the Cayman Islands deep water reefs and fish. 
The lead organization is Harriet Watt University, and the project aims to study marine life below 50 meters down to 200 meters. And um, what it looks like based on the documents that I saw is that this Professor Mavis Gore, who's the project leader, applied for this funding online. So when you go to um, the website, you're actually able to find the funding documents and how she went about applying for this. So it's super interesting for sure. It's done through this, um, through the Darwin Plus project, apparently the Darwin Plus initiative. And you can find out more about this specific project. And it says that they actually did one back in 2018, 2019 regarding the, the sharks in our waters. So these grants are available through this Darwin Plus project, they apparently give um, funding to, this is project number 140, but they give funding to people who are looking to, to study things in the UK territories, the overseas territories. So Darwin Plus is a UK government grant scheme that funds projects that are aimed to protect the unique biodiversity and improve resilience to climate change within the UK overseas territories. And it covers all of the different territories. You can actually go on their website. They funded over 153 projects across 16 countries for 99 institutions with two funding schemes and 102 project leaders in 10 biomes and ecosystems in the last 10 years. Now, this is actually a good thing in the sense that Anyone who wants to study our uh, biodiversity, and um, they actually have a little map here. Let me show you guys this little map. I support. What I think should be happening, though, is there should be greater inclusion in who does this. So this is Turks and Caicos, for example. Uh, Montserrat. They've got a couple different ones. BVI, Cayman Islands. So find out about our 15 projects in the Cayman Islands. So they, according to them, have done some 15 projects in this jurisdiction dating back a number of years. Looks like back to 2017 or no, beyond 2016. Uh, dates, 2016, 2013. So over a number of years. Protecting herbivorous fish, <laughs> forgive me if I've butchered that, to conserve the Cayman Islands coral reef biodiversity. That was a 250-pound project there with the Central Caribbean Marine Institute, CCMI. So, you know, you apply for these things. Here's one the National Trust for the Cayman Islands applied and I guess got $197,000 transitioning the Blue Iguana Recovery Program to sustain conservation success. So when you go in here, you can actually look at these projects and you can see the application process as well. Safeguarding Cayman sister islands from invasive species. That was almost half a million pounds, right? And then it tells you all about it. And you can look at the actual application form as well. 
And uh, I looked at the one that was submitted for this current case, and uh, it's very, very interesting. So here's here's my take on this. A couple of things I want to say. Number one, people who apply are the ones who will get things. And I, I kind of said this in jest the other day, Dr. Frank or anybody else out there seeking employment opportunities that thinks that the government is going to come to them and lay it on their lap. That isn't going to happen, folks. You have got to be willing to apply for something when you want it. Simple. Right? You want money, you want a job, you want whatever. There's normally a process that is involved, an application process. And so apply. Now, if they don't give it to you, you might have an argument about why that happened. But if you don't apply and you don't try, well, what do we say in the Caribbean? Nothing beats a trial but a failure. Or is it the other way around? Nothing beats a failure but a trial. Yes, I think it's failure but a trial. So in other words, the bottom line here, folks, is you've got to give it your best. And it starts with applying. You never know. Um, I think, though, although the person's overseas, there's an overseas grant, someone overseas applied for it, I would really hope that through their connections with the Department of Environment, with the Department of Environment being a partner in this, that, um, thank you, Purple Rain, that uh, they will seek to have local individuals participate in this. This is a wonderful opportunity for DOE staff to be part of this as well. This is a wonderful opportunity for young Caymanian students to be involved. This could offer them a wealth of experience, even if it's unpaid, even if it's just on a volunteer basis. I would say, you know, to the government, to the Department of Environment, you might not be the project lead on this, but I do believe that you can make recommendations and have others come on board. Locals, because listen, it's all fine and dandy to have other people, right? Telling us what a wonderful ecosystem we have and how much we have to protect it and blah, blah, blah. But if our own people do not understand the importance of that, if our own people can't go out there and see the real impact of overfishing, what's happening to the stingrays, what's happening, you know, then we're not going to get the real benefits of it long-term because our own people are destroying the environment. You have to have buy-in for these types of projects to work. So it's not just about coming in here and studying the Cayman Trench and the ecosystem, but it's also about teaching the people in any of those overseas territories how these um, natural resources that we have are so incredibly precarious, how fragile they are, 
and why we need to protect them and why, quite frankly, when we saw what happened last week with all those kunk being taken out of the water, every single one of us should be outraged at that type of behavior. Like that person needs a good cow cod up there behind. Not up there behind, upside there behind. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if Caymanians don't get it, we need to protect our flora, our fauna, the ocean. Don't pollute and throw your garbage and trash all over this island. We get one mother earth and we have a little portion of it here in the Cayman Islands and we should do everything in our power to try to protect that. If we don't get that message and we don't understand it and we continually destroy our environment, pulling up indigenous trees all over the world to put down some concrete jungle, it's another hotel, another apartment complex, whatever. If we don't get any of that, who do you think will save us from ourselves? Nobody. If our legislators don't understand that they have to help us, they've got to expand the marine um, protection zones. Y'all need to stop touching, fondling, and handling the uh, starfish, uh, starfish, whatever the heck we call it. You know, all of those things. I can't tell you every single time I post up a jackass of the day photo because you touching the poor little silver, um, silverfish, <laughs> starfish. Well, I went to this dive place and they told me it's okay. I was like, really? So the dive boat that you went on has no clue how to protect your environment. When all those poor little starfish gone, what the hell are you gonna be out there taking a picture of then? You standing in, in muddy water by yourself? And the fact that they don't even understand that, yes, it's one thing to take it out of the water. That's what you don't definitely don't want to do. But even you touching and handling it does not help the ecosystem. What are you touching it for? Did your granddad never tell you, don't touch, just look? Remember when we used to go into the stores and your mom would be like, listen, don't touch nothing not in the store. As a matter of fact, some parents didn't even want you looking because your big eyes would be asking for something. But, you know, Aunt Lottie always used to say, you can look, but don't touch it. It's just, to me, um, quite unbelievable that we don't seem to have a vested interest in this. And so everything is designed, in my opinion, even these overseas grants, they should be a component. I don't know who the heck Darwin Plus is but they don't understand this is colonialism all over again. They don't understand the necessity of, yes, you're trying to protect overseas territory environments and help with climate funding and change and whatever. Oh man, the shoulder is killing me. Oh, but um, that's great. You know, thank you for the money. Thank you for the grant, but it should include a component of having local involvement, buy-in. That's what it's called. When people have a buy-in, they actually care. Any project you have, any big project that you're trying to launch, you know the success of that is based on people having a buy-in. And how do you get people to have a buy-in? Well, number one, you get them involved. You let them understand the benefits of what you're doing. So 14 UK territories, Anguilla, Bermuda, British 
Antarctic territory. Where's the British Antarctic territory? Why have I never heard of them? Where the heck are they? Uh, British Indian Ocean Territory, BVI, British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, the Falkland Islands, Gibraltar, Montserrat, the Pitcairn Islands. St. Helena, South Georgia, and the South Sandwich Islands. South Sandwich? Who the heck would name an island sandwich? <laughs> Sovereign base areas. Akrotira. This is on, on Cyprus. I didn't even know that they were part of the UK overseas territories. And of course, the Turks and Caicos. So they have a whole bunch of people here in this Darwin Plus Advisory Group membership. Professor so-and-so from Oxford University. UK government policy advisors from their Department of Environment, Food and Rural um, Affairs, Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. Members with OT knowledge and experience. So they have Jonathan Hall, John Turner. I don't know who the heck these people are, but none of them not Caymanians and none of them probably from the territories themselves. So all I'm saying is we know we have now a government that has said that they are committed to sustainability, they're committed to putting the environment first. The premier has said himself in an interview that he did with us, if we don't have the environment, what, what's all of this for? And I agree with him. But what I would suggest is to reach out to these people at this Darwin Plus. Um, Scott Nelson, he is the Darwin Secretariat at the Department for Food and Rural Affairs in the UK, part of the UK government. For queries about the Darwin Plus project applications, you contact Darwin and application. Listen, email these people. You don't even have to call them and say, we appreciate the, how many programs did I tell you over the years that they've done here in Cayman? 15 projects that you've done. But we want to, Lord Jehovah. Mm-mm-mm. I can't even tell y'all what this one is yet. Certain things we got to keep tight-lipped until we can tell you. Um, oh, that's funny. This one says, look with your eyes and not with your hands. Yes. So um, I think that there has to be some additional involvement with the local community. Good morning, Judy and Eden. Says that these jobs need to be safeguarded for Caymanians uh, with all the training and mentorship facilitated accessible and encouraged. Um, Judy says that the full descriptions for the Darwin Initiative jobs do specifically identify a preference for local applicants. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, they're the opinion pounds, but whatever. It's a UK grant. All right. So listen here. If you are interested in applying and you should apply if you have the interest and the credentials and you can live on that salary, a lot of you right now are unemployed. And although I'm not trying to say that you might be unemployed in two years' time, you never know. And this is a wonderful experience, folks, for anyone. Mm -hmm. So let me look up the Department of Environment. Here we go. I'm going to give you the link. 
And I want you all as Caymanians, like I just said, you have to apply. You cannot wait on other people. If you're interested, I'm going to send you both links. There's one for biosecurity officer and a community engagement officer. Those jobs, in my mind, are best suited for Caymanians. There's a link in the chat. Go and apply. It's not a fantastic salary, 27,000 pounds at 30 per annum. Um, they're going to give you pension, life assurance, 26 days annual leave, living allowance. I wonder if you get a living allowance if you're from here. The duration, they say, is 2.75 years, almost three years worth of a commitment. In fact, I'm going to share the DO, DOE link. Caymanians, please apply. Because we can't talk about people taking jobs from us and don't want to hire us if you are not willing to apply yourself. You've got to apply. That's the start. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Roderick, good morning. Uh, Lazarus says, touch with your eyes. Oh, that's what they used to say? And see with your hands. My great-grandmother used to say, yes, honey child. They didn't want you touching nothing. Uh, good morning, Alex. Helen, good morning. She says, opinions like belly buttons. Everyone has one. Well, that's for sure. Some people got more than one. They're full of belly buttons. <laughs> um, oh, Carol says, Akrotira is where I was born in Cyprus. It is a British sovereign territory. My dad was in the army base there. Really? Huh. I know nothing about this place. Let me see. It's a village. Uh, let's see here. Acritori, Santorina, in Greece, is a village on the island of Santorini, Greece, is located about 15 kilometers south of the capital. Ah. It's a peninsula, has a series of pebble coves um, formed from volcanic rock, including the renowned Red Beach with striking cliffs. Mm-mm-mm. Well, um, super interesting. Hmm. Looks like quite an interesting place. What do you know? Wow. It looks very interesting. Gosh, there's so many places in the world that I really want to go. Ugh, COVID has put a damper on my travel plans. I was trying to save up for a little budget to get to Greece one day, but now it's like... Who knows when that's going to happen? Thank you, Carol. So interesting. I mean, sometimes we sit here and we have these conversations and then I'm like, what are the chances? I mentioned this place that I've never heard of and Carol's like, I was born there. What? Pretty cool. Uh, Jonathan says, and the ads in the toxically uncompostable compass are for local applicants too, huh? 
hollow rhetoric, fraudulent institutionalized corruption and straight up fakeries, what that is. Well, listen to me. Thank you, Eden, for sharing that link. There are a lot of um, misinformation out there when it comes to jobs. Listen, there are people, and we've discussed this before, who don't actually want to hire locals. They don't want to hire Caymanians. That we know. And you still apply anyway. Hopefully they've been forced to put the job in through works and you apply and then you you have them justify to works why they haven't hired you if you're qualified. It's becoming easier and easier to advertise all over the world. You just stick up a website, whatever. So people can draw applicants with a lot of experience to compete with Caymanians. But and like I was saying a couple of days ago, it's also entirely possible for a lot of these jobs to be outsourced. If the pandemic didn't teach you that you don't have to be in a physical office to do your job, then nothing did. You just don't have to be there. And so if you don't have to be there, you know, that means that they can find somebody else to easily do your job. That's just how it works. Eh. So guess what? You see a job that you're interested in, even if you know that they have no intentions of hiring Caymanian, they're just going through the steps. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Apply for the job anyway. Um, when you apply for the job, then they have to justify and explain why they haven't hired you. Yes. So there's another job that, uh, caught some attention and that was one for fosters as a store manager. Now, hold on a second. I need to actually pull up this job. Um, let me tell you. Let me just see how. So this position, um, just like other people overseas can see it, obviously Caymanians are seeing the jobs as well. And again, I say, if you uh, see the job, if you're interested, so apparently this is some website called Indeed.com. In, I don't know what this website is about, but I guess people put jobs here. So this is a store manager job. And when you see them do things like, say, um, relocation to the Cayman Islands, and you know that obviously this is being advertised in a way that they're trying to elicit foreign applicants. Well, that's why it's over. It's advertised overseas. Now, has Foster's advertised this position in a local newspaper? I would certainly hope that they have. Um, it should be on the jobs website, 
By the way, a couple of days ago, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday. We got a message from these job people talking about how the jobs website is down. It was so funny because just that morning I was reading some of your complaints about it. And some people have said that that website is always down, that they've had so many issues with that website. They're sick and tired of it. Not working. Works. Get it together. How are you going to have people in need and trying to apply for jobs and yaddy, yaddy, yaddy? And you tell them, both employers and employees, that you have to go through this portal and it's not working 30, 40% of the time. That's unacceptable. You need to build that so it's very resilient. And it should be up 99.99999% of the time. Because then you're frustrating both employers and employees who are using the system. That's like the first line of frustration if you can't even get in. If the website doesn't even work, works, pun intended, fix it. Try. I tell you, they need a cow card sometimes too. Ugh. If only you could have like a magical cow card. You didn't necessarily have to touch anybody with it, but you just threatened them the threat of a cow card life. And then they would just shape up because child, a cow card looks like that would hurt. So this salary is 82,000 to 103,000 per year. It's a full-time job. Mm, they tell you how to apply. This is interesting that on this website, it tells you um, that they have responded to 51 to 74% of applications in the past 30 days, typically within four days. That's interesting. I've never heard this website before, but that's, Quite an interesting bit of information. All right, let me pull up the job description. Let us go through it and see how many of you actually qualified for this job. Because to be quite frank, if you don't qualify for it, you probably shouldn't be applying for it. I'm just saying. Judy confirms that DOE is managing these positions on behalf of the project. So while the funding and directors come from the project manager, DOE is still the local contact. Well, then hire a local. Yes, Siobhan says that salary translates to about $2,600 a month. Commanders better start applying. And they also better be allowed that living allowance. I agree. Hmm. Um, let's have a look now at the Foster's one and see what we got going on here. All right. So here's a job description. Let me increase it so y'all can see what I'm saying. 200%. Uh, here we go. All right. Full job description. Foster's Supermarket in Georgetown, Grand Cayman, Cayman Islands. Providing effective planning, organizing, leading, coordinating, optimizing the materials and human resources within the supermarket location assigned. The position must manage daily operations, department and assistant manager development, customer and associate satisfaction for total store, ensure variety and high quality products, appealing, appealingly displayed to maximize the sales and profits of the total store while maintaining great customer service. And they have a list of all your duties. Uh, responsible for gross profit, sales budgets, payroll, managing store employees, expenses, 
planning and managing the budget in relation to profit and loss, setting and monitoring store goals. It goes on and on and on and on. It's quite a list actually. Inventory management, uh, results performed by external auditing, overseeing the conduct of recruitment selection, training, performance reviews, and so on. Demonstrate leadership abilities and decision-making skills in line with company expectations and standards. They want you to speak English, write, comprehend, and read English. Intermediate math and follow company CTOs, computer competency required. Comprehension of business intermediate required, ability to communicate effectively. Work independently and be self-motivated. So they have a whole list of things that they want. They're looking for someone with 10 to 15 years of managerial experience in the supermarket operations or related field. Experience in overseeing perishable departments is recommended. I don't know recommended. I would say is preferred. But anyway, I don't know who wrote the job advert. The salaries in U.S. dollars. You get a car allowance, benefits package, and twice annual performance bonuses. Dental, health, paid time off, vision, eight-hour shift, supplementary pay, so they have some kind of bonus system. COVID-19 requirements, so they tell you all about that. Education experience, work location. This is a hands-on job, so you're not working remotely. And there you go. So let me say this, right? I have actually um, worked in retail before. Y'all might not know this, but Sandy Hill is a hustler child. And when I lived in the United States of America, as a university student, I had to have a full-time job. I had nobody paying my bills. I was not on a Cayman Islands government scholarship. I had been away for so long, I didn't even think. Oh, now I'm going to university. Let me pay, apply for a government scholarship. That didn't even cross my mind. My aunt didn't think about it. None of us didn't think about it. Because really, I was living in the U.S. as an American. So I was applying for scholarships there and whatever, right? So you get one, two little scholarships to help you out with tuition. But, Chai, you got to have a job. Okay. Buenos dias, Erica. Como estas? And um, you need to know how to do different things. So one of the easier jobs for a university student to enter into. So at first I was only eligible for on-campus jobs. So my first job, you're gonna laugh at this one. I was the secretary to the Supreme Court. The university has its own like um, student body structure. So it has like senators and stuff, just like in the real world, but they were about university life and they got a budget of stuff to do. Yeah, University of South Florida, child, we had a budget. So my first job was secretary to the Supreme Court. So you take the minutes and all this kind of stuff. I don't even know if I got paid. I'm trying to remember if I got paid for a job, probably just a little stipend or whatever. But, you know, you want a little spending money, even if it's $100 a month, $200 a month, whatever, you're going to take it. And um, all of this was going on. <laughs> you know, I've been a rebel from day one. Can I just tell you? Even with that job back in the day, there was discrimination on campus, you know, discrimination because you might be the wrong color and whatever. And so I wasn't putting up with it. I'm like, well, this, is, this isn't right. 
And we had a whole sit-in protest. Child, we made CNN news. Y'all don't know. I've been protesting from the day I was born. Oh, you pushed me out too hard. This isn't right. What the hell? I'm going to sue you, mama. <laughs> but when you see an injustice and you're just built a certain way, you can't help but be like, this is just wrong. And wrong is wrong is wrong is wrong. And you can't give wrong right. Anyway, child, we had a little sit-in protest. No food and all kind of stuff. And CNN got a hold of the story back in the day. This is a long time ago. Like CNN was probably just getting started. And, uh, you know, that was one of my first little jobs. But what I soon realized is once, once I was eligible for off-campus employment, one of the better jobs was actually retail because there was some degree of flexibility in the schedule and you could um, work weekends, evening shifts, morning shifts, like you could really work around your classes. And there was like a mall very close to the university. So I got into the retail business. I've had a number of retail jobs. Honey child, let me tell you. I worked in, hold on now, I'm trying to remember all the retail jobs. I've had about four or five retail jobs before I moved back home. So one job that I had was in jewelry. It wasn't for very long, but that is a very eye-opener job. I learned so much about jewelry retail. Child of gemstones. We had to do a whole course on gemstones. And ugh, when you see the markup in the world of jewelry, you never want to buy a piece of jewelry at full price ever again. It is crazy. So I have some jewelry experience, believe it or not. I did retail in clothing. Remember that one store, what was it called? Zero, zero, five, seven or whatever. It was like for really petite people who wore smaller sizes. I actually worked in that store. I wasn't fitting in a zero or a five or seven or whatever, but I worked in that store. I did a store called Units. A lot of you might not remember this store, but it was kind of more like very white middle-class type of store, but it was for people who... They had like clothes, clothes that were like a lot of solid colors and you'd put them together and you'd build a unit. So that was the point is you'd bid all these pieces. Like you might have a turtleneck that was like a particular color and then you got the skirt that went with it. And it was a whole, it was a whole way of life. Like we had people that all they wore were unit clothes and they would come in. There was a store in the mall and they would come in and you know, you'd help them put their stuff together. And child, I learned a thing or two about customer service, how to upsell, to your customers. So, oh, you're just buying a turtleneck today, ma'am. But could I interest you in um, the turtleneck in different colors or, you know, a scarf? So some days you don't want a turtleneck, but you want the flexibility of being able to take that scarf off and on. And shy, you learn a lot in the world of retail. Merchandising is a whole other art firm, art, art form. How to put up a display. You can't just be throwing any kind of crap in your window. What's appealing to customers? How often do you change out your window displays? Why you put certain items in certain locations? The necessity of a clean and orderly store. Child, there's a lot in the world of retail. So I say that to say this. I actually worked in Walmart and that was a whole other experience. Oh my God. Mm -mm -mm. I think that was my last job before I moved back home was Walmart. So I started out in the photography department in Walmart, which is actually a totally separate company that ran those. 
And so I had to go and do all the photography training and you learn how to take your little studio pictures and ugh, working with people's children when they're crying or whatever. So I had to do a whole training thing in Orlando for that. That was pretty cool. Um, and again, upselling packages, like you learn all this sort of thing. And um, when I was in the store, the great thing about that job, the one thing I loved about jo that job is that job paid weekly. That was the only weekly paying job I think I've ever had. So every, you know, as a student, by Thursday, you broke already. And you're like, oh my God, it's payday again. On Friday, every Friday was payday. So whew, the weekends were happening. Uh, but you know, you get your little bonus money when you upsell a package and that sort of thing. And then the, the managers in the store would always see me coming and going and opening up my little photo section. And they were like, we want you to come work with us. You look like you have a good work ethic. I'm like, really? Well, what are you offering me? Well, we give you a customer service manager job and you can be more flexible with your hours. And because the, the photo studio had to be open certain times. So there wasn't a great deal of flexibility, but they're like, we can give you more flexible hours and you can pick a different store if you want, because Walmart is so big. And I was like, oh, now y'all talking. They didn't bother telling me about those crazy ass people working or coming to the layaway department, always trying to scam people and how you had to be on your game because of them. Shall please. Anyway, my point is this. Yes, this job was found overseas. Is it also on the works Cayman job website if you can get in? I would certainly hope so. That should be a requirement. I'm not personally registered at works, although I feel like I should go and register. So every week we can go through all the jobs together. But you should apply for this position if you have the requisite experience. Now, I've reached out to Mr. Woody Foster because he's always been a person who's open to questions and he answers them and he gives you feedback and that sort of thing. And I said, um, Mr. Woody, you know, I see people commenting about this job. Do you care to say anything? And he actually said to me that they have, um, this is what he said, listen very carefully. He said, this job advert is on top of local advertising. So they are advertising the job locally. We advertise in Cayman, the US, Canada, and elsewhere. With 750 employees, it is impossible to hire only Caymanians. Now, I appreciate that's a lot of people to hire. And um, if you are an individual, who has the requisite experience for this job, then I would recommend that you apply for the job. But let me forewarn you. Shall you worked in Walmart Deli? Whew. Walmart people, their, their customers are special. That's all I can tell you. Oh God, and it depends on what Walmart you work in. Let me say that. Because not all Walmarts are the same. Some are kind of high end and you get some better clientele and them kind of rich areas. But for the most part, a lot of your customers coming in and they're trying to scam the company. And child, you got to be like, hmm, I'm going to give you great customer service, ma'am, but I'm, I'm a little bit savvy to this layaway scam and this isn't going to work here. Retail isn't the same. So just because I had a retail job in one sector doesn't make me automatically qualified for another sector. So let me give you an example. Recently, I was meeting with Mary from Cost You Less. 
She's the store manager. And uh, we had a business lunch and I was keen and interested to know her background and her experience. So she started telling me how she progressed and how she got to the Cayman Islands. Cause I'm curious, you know, I'm like, how'd you get here? And she was explaining how she's worked in different sectors within retail and headhunters were always recruiting her because her stores do well. She's likable. Her staff like her. She's a hard worker. Like she has all the earmarks of like, Oh yeah, that's somebody that we want. And the world of retail is actually really, really big, but it's also really, really small in some regards. So within specific regions, the Northwest, like Florida, whatever, there are headhunters who know who's performing and tracking extremely well in specific stores. So she has worked in what we call big box retail, which is what costs you less than price, right? Um, Costco's, that, that's what those stores are. So she's worked in that environment before. And I think she was, I want to remember now, I think they sent her to train at the other, one of the other regional cost you less stores as well. Because even within the business, you know, there's specific things within each region that you kind of know about. So costing and pricing, what sells in Cayman versus another island where BVI is um, varies and is very, very different. Retail is like, you could become a, retail is a profession. Do not take for granted that, oh, somebody just throws open a store and you can put anybody in there at $6 an hour and they're gonna be able to manage a store. Not if you want it managed well and you want it to operate at a certain level. So when I see all these criteria about store budgeting and all this kind of stuff, I've been, an assistant manager in some of these retail stores that I've just mentioned to you. And I'm telling you, there is a lot involved in that job. And that's not grocery. Like I could never manage a grocery store. There'd be things that I just don't have the requisite knowledge or understanding of. But if you do, it doesn't say, see what it says here? Willingness to learn the P&L reports and CTO. So you don't have to know it, but if you were willing to learn how to read a profit and loss report, they will teach you. Certain things they want you to come having experience because they can't teach you everything in a management position. You need to come with certain basics. And then there's certain things that they're willing to work with you and to fine tune. Britta says in Mexico, una libra de armón. That's IT for... That's it for my Spanish. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Rita. She's watching us from Atlanta. She says you look extra. Sorry, sorry, I accidentally muted the mic. 
it has this little button on here and I, I think sometimes you don't even touch it. Maybe I did touch it directly. Anyway, yeah, if I move it and I touch it, there we go. All right, so I was saying I was gonna just check the Compass website, but what is their website called? Is it compasscayman.com? It's not working. Or do I have the wrong website? It says the site can't be reached. What's the Compass website again? Hold on here now. I don't know what's going on, but it says Compass website is down. Maybe I have the wrong website. Hold on. <laughs> I must admit, I don't really go to the Compass often. Let me see. Cayman Compass. Uh, CaymanCompass.com. Not Compass Cayman. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got it. Honey child. Nobody going to the Compass these days, but anyway. So you have to... um. CETA expanded vaccine lists, a small stat, doctor's hospital. Yes, I saw this actually yesterday, but there wasn't a whole lot more to the story. Um, Where's their job section? I don't even know. Uh, scrolling for days. Where do you find the jobs? Anyway, let's let's check it out when we have a little bit more time. I'll try to find out where the jobs are. And uh, maybe we we buy one login and then we um, all look at the jobs together. So y'all don't have to pay for that. So 173 jobs in LinkedIn. I must tell you, I don't really use LinkedIn a whole lot, but I do always see them emailing me about jobs and whatever. So please, uh, folks, <clears throat> check it out. Multiple options if you're unemployed. Cayman Jobs, government, fix it. Jesus, help them fix it so that it works more times than not. Um, Compass, I guess, still is doing some display ads. Do they have ads on there that are not um, on the Works website? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to sign up for Works. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up. I'm not looking for a job. But for the purposes of what we do here, I'm going to sign up for uh, works, what's it called, Cayman Jobs, and see if I can um, let me see if I can get in. Maybe on Fridays, we can start going through jobs together. I want y'all to get employed. All right, let's let's do this together. Thank you for the alert and the sound, folks. Um, Built-in mentorship programs like Woody DaCosta talked about. Yeah, we need to get on it. Oh, Kathy says the hair looks nice today. Child, I just kind of slicked it back a little bit. Uh, appreciate that. Wee oui, wee, oui, good morning. Ralston says, good morning, Miss Sandra. You look beautiful all the way from Atlanta. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So this is the link for Cayman Compass. What is it? Compass. Backslash jobs. All right, we're going to check it out here. I'm going to buy a subscription so we can all log in. View employment listings. 
So they actually charge you to view this? Oh, child, they're not easy. Oh, it's part of their e-version. I actually um, has had, I've had a, they used to sell their e-version separate. I think now they've kind of changed it all up in terms of how they do it. But their e-version used to be, because um, you see, they still do a print paper, right? But their e-version used to be, like you would subscribe to that separately. So uh, it looks like they're doing it once a week, which because they only print on Fridays. Um, all right, we'll, we'll get access to that. Don't y'all worry. Y'all will be hearing about some jobs in the Compass real soon. Um, Britta says sign up under your name. Sign up to which one? The Compass or the other one? Yeah, I'm going to use my name. So let me get signed up to Cayman Jobs. Let me get signed up. Um, sort out with the compass. Let me see what else. LinkedIn. Like I said, I, I have a LinkedIn account. I don't really personally use LinkedIn very much. LinkedIn.com. Let me see here now. Just the right. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm the best person to tell you all about LinkedIn, but uh, where do you find the jobs on LinkedIn? Like I always get emails saying, oh, these people are hiring in your area. But because I'm not really all that, like I don't really use LinkedIn. I see people viewing my profile. Y'all want to see me just come and see Marcia? Um... I don't even know how to really navigate LinkedIn. I know like messages and that's it. Where do you find jobs? Is it like a single area for jobs? Oh, here's one that's cute. Deloitte says as an intern at Deloitte Cayman Islands, you have the opportunity to accelerate your career ambition in a dynamic and rewarding environment. Oh, yeah? All of that in a bag of chips. So um, check this out, folks. So you can check out Deloitte. So we offer platforms to help build world-class skills. Um, interested in learning more about our student programs, read the following. So they have a whole little advert here for internship with Deloitte. So if you're interested in accounts or anything related, please go check them out. Parents, I'm telling y'all that this is where now um, you need to really help your kids be a bit more aggressive, right? Uh, jobs recommended for you. Thank you, LinkedIn. They got all kind of corporate jobs and stuff here. Help your children navigate the world of um, you know, things like LinkedIn. Look at here, UCCI is hiring a work-based learning and career specialist. Ugh, I don't know if you want to work there, but anyway. Corporate administrators, fund administrators, compliance analysts. Dart is hiring a senior paralegal. Y'all go apply for that right now. Um, Ritz Carlton has zero applicants. Why? 
Why? Caymanians are looking for guest services, Bell Desk. What? Bell Desk Expediter? I don't know what the hell that even is, but regardless, <laughs> go and have a look at the job and apply. Guest services attendant at um, Clearly Cayman Dive Resorts. They just posted that 51 minutes ago. Fresh job. Corporate administrators through Nova Recruitment. They got 23 applicants. I hope that 22 of them are Caymanians and they better hire a Caymanian. <clears throat> Account manager at Aon. Campus Minister Archdiocese of Detroit. Oh, this would have to be for, um, uh, what's the name of the school there? Um, uh, not prep, Catholic, right? That's, that's them. So their applications go through the Archdiocese of Detroit shall just apply. Just apply. Human resource manager at some pyramid hotel group. No clue who they are, but they get five applicants. Corporate administrator for the Maples Group. <clears throat> apply. Business analyst at Walkers. Apply. Assistant account manager at Trident Trust. Apply. Auditor. What? Audit director funds for Think Global Recruitment. Put in your application. Spa staff. I don't even know what place that's supposed to be. Deloitte is looking for risk advisory senior registered nurses at the HSA, emergency and dialysis. Kimpton looking for rooms front of the house employee. Now we're going to talk about the hotel industry a little bit later on because I'm not quite ready for them yet. But look, look, yeah, look, yeah. They're looking for one little, they're looking to hire somebody, they say. Put in your application. You will get nowhere if you say all these people are hiring expats, so I'm not going to apply. You do your part. <laughs> oh, Britta says that was a question. The compass probably has an alarm attached to your name. Honey, child, they can take my money and anybody money. All sorts of people here are hiring, folks. Intertrust, Brown Brothers, Harriman, eFinancial Careers. Hamilton Recruitment. I don't even know who they are. Sales Associate, Legacy Automotive. Don't know clue who they are. Um, FTI Consulting, Affinity. Kirk's ISS, that's IT. Looking for an inside sales rep. MUFG is looking for Client Operations Fund Administrator. Kitchen Sales and Designs, Bon Viant. Hey. Executive pastry chef, construction manager, audit seniors. Gosh, there's all kind of jobs on here. What? HR for Marriott. Walkers is looking for senior business analysts. Get your application in. Food and beverage server, Kimpton. That was posted eight hours ago. The Kimpton is gearing up for reopening, y'all. So you need to apply. Now, the government did this um, audit, this survey for people who have are receiving the stipend. And I understand there's a lot of interesting information that has come out as a result of that, which we will be revealing in due course. Some of it is our fault. 
as Caymanians, we're not doing what we need to be doing. Some of it is these people really not interested in hiring Caymanians. That becomes evident as well. But the first step, what, what's, the, what's the Chinese saying about the first, um, on a journey of a million miles or a thousand miles or whatever, you start with the first step? What's that Chinese quote? A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, the journey of finding a job begins with applying. Okay, so let us all apply. Ralston says the present government has raised the student scholarship from 30,000, or raised it to 30,000, and we give thanks for that. Yes, this is also good news for students. Colin wants to know if there are any applicant applicants for Kimberly's commercial pilots. Um, I don't think so. But Colin, you got to start with pilot school first. You got a long ways to go before you can apply to become a commercial pilot at Cayman Airways. Child Magdalene wants to know, does works go on these sites too? They're supposed to have a compliance division of works who really should be um, looking at all kinds of stuff. They should be reviewing these job ads, adverts that aren't really trying to hire locals and they overinflate what they're looking for and they lie about what they're looking for. The, all of that should be done. Do they do it? Only God knows. We'll ask them, Magdalene, but I don't think so. Because certain things I see falling through the cracks shouldn't be happening. This clearly came on dive resorts is looking for a bartender, a server. Kimpton is hiring a bunch of stuff, banquet chef, food and beverage server, wine steward, groundskeeper. There's a lot of industry work here. Sous chef for one of their avenue restaurants, it says. All right, good folks. The other quote we got, what we put up, the other quote, we get what we put up with. We can't stop this if we stand up and demand apply for these jobs and apply and works. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Folks, it's been another beautiful show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I got acupuncture at midday, so I'm going to run to town now. And I need to get some water. I'm water. I've been drinking water all morning. I need to actually get some food in my stomach. So I think I'm going to mention, I'm going to message Samantha and tell Samantha to get my food ready for me. Um, that's all I got for you. We will continue the discussion. I'm aware that we did not get through all the topics that we had planned today. Uh, it's important that we continually have these conversations, folks. As Caymanians, we have a collective responsibility and we have an individual responsibility Um, to do what we must, right? If we want to get Caymanians to work, which we do, we have an obligation to ensure that our people are qualified. They're willing to work. They have the right attitude. And if they are lacking in any of those departments, well, we help them along the way. We got to pull up our bootstraps and really get serious about things around here. 
Because it doesn't make any sense for you to lambast the people on the opposite side of what's going on. If you yourself are coming to the table with all sorts of complications and issues. So we do our part. We're going to ensure that they do their part and we're going to shine a light on them. CCMI, this is this Marine Institute. I understand that this is some private organization. And um, we have some concerns about them. So what I would say, folks, is, you know, when we have uh, issues, if we can't reach out to the employers, which we seek to do, and ask them very specific and guided question about questions about what they're doing. Then, you know, we will start to look at what they're doing and see if we can come up with our own conclusions, which is the only choice that they're going to leave us. Hello, Tommy. Welcome, welcome. Um, this acupuncture is actually covered by insurance, Britta, so I don't even know kind of what their rate is, to be honest. I can't tell you. Uh, Colin says, are there any applications for CMR assistant? Because I think I, I did pretty well last time I assisted you. <laughs> Colin, yes, you did. And you're a young man. And to be quite frank, um, I was looking for a little bit of summer help with a few different things, um, not just CMR, but you know, I run other businesses. So sometimes I need a little gopher to run around and whatever. Um, the difficulty is I prefer to hire young ladies only because then I don't have to think about all these safeguarding issues per se. You know what I'm saying? Like as a parent, if you have a young man working with just a single female entrepreneur, you need to make sure that there's safety. Well, I mean, even if it's a woman, I mean, who knows people going all kind of this way and that way in terms of sexuality. So whatever. But I always feel more comfortable, you know, in some ways working with a young lady. But Colin, we should talk. I mean, obviously, I know you and your mommy and whatever. Let's talk about some summer opportunities. It's the summer still young. And uh, if you're home bored, then I can certainly put you to, to some kind of good use. Yeah. Uh, Britta says in America, the average um, insurance won't pay for it. Wow. It's unfortunate. I think here, most insurance companies, because I had an insurance policy before that they paid for, it wasn't a whole lot, but they paid for a couple treatments per annum. And it had to be referred from a medical physician. So you couldn't just show up and be like, oh, I want acupuncture. The referral had to come from um, a medical physician. 
Anyway, folks, we're doing our part. The only question I have for you, are you doing your part? Uh, big shout out to everyone that is. Thank you to all of you who participate in the program. Every single day, you make us Cayman's number one undisputed show. I feel like we need to do redo our intro and outro because we've got lots been going on since we started that. You guys have a wonderful day. I'm off to court. We are following this court case. It is super interesting. Uh, a young lady in the DPP's office has been charged with some stuff. And so we're following it, but there's a lot that's coming out as, as a result of that. A lot of allegations about what's happening at that DPP's office. Oh, honey child, it ain't good. I'm not surprised by any of it, to be quite frank. But we'll see. All right, good folks, y'all be good. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning, if not before. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.